costumes are ready and the annual opportunity to go and harass your neighbors to get candy is once again upon us. Yes, it's time for Halloween. And along with Halloween comes the worry, the concern, the fear that in fact someone will be poisoning my kids' candy. This is something that has lived with us for decades. I, I don't know if I remember it in my life, but certainly I remember hearing about it when my kids were trick-or-treating. It's a, a mystery that it has continued, and we have someone today that will help us investigate this mystery. I'm John Baylor, here with Stats and Stories, a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics, Media, Journalism, and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. And joining me today is analyst Rosemary Pennington of the Department of Media, Journalism, and Film. Our guest today is Joel Best. Best is a professor of sociology and criminal justice at the University of Delaware. His writing focuses on understanding how and why we become concerned with particular issues at particular moments in time, and he's written about ways that bad statistics creep into public debates. He's the author of several books on this topic, including Damned Lies and Statistics, Untangling Numbers from the Media, Politicians, and Activists, and Statspotting, a Field Guide to Dubious Data. Joel, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, absolutely. So, Joel, I, you know, I set it up with the idea of, of what's going to be in my kid's bag. You know, am I going to find the, the poison in their, you know, in their Pop-Tarts? Am I going to find the razor blades that will be in their Snickers bars? This story surfaces all the time. So help us understand kind of when you first encountered this story and, and why it keeps popping up every year. Well, when I was in graduate school, I thought I was going to uh, uh, study deviant behavior. And, uh, you know, one of the things I wound up doing was reading a lot of autobiographies of thieves and, and uh, drug addicts and so on. And you, you realize when you read these things that these people always have reasons. You, you know, they may not seem like good reasons to you, but, but they can explain why they did something. And this was at the same time we were getting all these stories. The early 70s uh, was really when this starts to take off, late 60s, early 70s, about contaminated treats. And I found myself talking to friends saying, you know, I don't think that this is real. And they were just outraged. Of course it's real, you know. And uh, so I uh, got through graduate school and I'd uh, sometimes bring this up in class when I was teaching. And, uh, you know, I'd say, I don't think this is real. And the students would just go berserk. You know, of course it's real. Everybody knows it's real. And, you know, I, I thought, how do you, how do you, prove this because uh, you can't prove a negative right and i eventually settled on a uh, uh, a plan uh i looked at newspaper coverage in basically the new york times the chicago tribune and the washington and the uh, los angeles times and those were the three biggest papers in those days and in, in the three biggest markets and this of course way before the internet. I mean, this is this is uh, way back. And the uh, New York Times had a terrific index uh, and the, no other paper had nearly as good an index. So I wound up actually getting microfilm and I read the entire Chicago Tribune and the entire Los Angeles Times for November 1st, 2nd and 3rd, going back 25 years, which at that point was, I went back to 1958, okay? And I was looking for cases of, of reports of contaminated treats. And, you know, I defined a case as it, it told me where it was, like it named a town, Miami, Ohio, and it specified what the contamination was, razor blade and apple, something like that. And 
what you discover is, first of all, there aren't very many of these reports. Okay. Uh, the second thing is nobody got hurt. Okay. There was no case of a child who was killed or seriously injured this way. And I started now, now there, there was a case, uh, there, there, there have been cases of deaths that had been reported. There was a guy in Texas who I think assuming that he could commit the perfect crime. You know, he was assuming that people were poisoning little kids all the time on Halloween. He took out a life insurance policy on his son, gave his son poison candy, <laughs> uh, encouraged the kid to eat the candy. The child died. Okay. He then called the police and the police bought this story completely. They said, oh my goodness, you know, and they, they started looking around. And after a couple of days, they realized that A, nobody else had any poison candy. Okay. Uh, nobody else had died. The uh, guy had taken out the life insurance policy on his son a couple months earlier, and they had some record of him uh, purchasing poison. And so he was uh, arrested, tried, convicted, and this being Texas, he was executed. Okay. Now, you know, a couple of things. That story was on the front page or, or near the front page of you know, the New York Times, the Chicago Tribune, the, the uh, Los Angeles Times. So it was a big news story, which was is a sort of a test. If, if this happened, you know, we'd know about it. And, you know, but I don't count that because, it, you know, that's, you know, as you say, you, you, don't, you don't worry about whether you're going to poison your kid. You worry about whether the maniac down the street is going to do it. Um, and there had been a couple of other deaths that have been reported. And then, you know, and this would often be toward the front of the paper. And then at the back of the paper, on page 83, three days later, would be the news that, oh, no, we discovered that actually this kid got into his uncle's heroin stash or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. So I can't find any evidence. I couldn't find any evidence. And I have been updating this research every year since I did it in 1983. So each year I, I, I take a few hours and I now can go on the Internet happily and search for this stuff. And you know, the answer is still the same. I've, I've got, I don't know now, the total is, is 100 or some cases of this. I can't find any evidence that, you know, anybody's ever killed a child this way. This is a contemporary legend. I wonder, why does, why does this story keep getting reported on? If there's really no evidence that this happens. But well, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't get reported as something that's happening. Okay. Now, now I will tell you that, that what has really happened is, I mean, I mean, the world is changing. And, 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 and one way it's changing is I've been giving interviews about this since 1985, you know, and the number of interviews has been going down and down and down. And that's because the reporting staff at newspapers, it used to be that this was kind of a feature story, Halloween safety, you know, uh, et cetera. And, you know, the reporter would go to LexisNexis and they discover that I get quoted in all these stories. So they call me up and I give the same interview I've been giving since 1985. That's, that's really toned down. These days, what you have are websites and they just quote me and they haven't talked to me. <laughs> you know, they, they, just, they, they, they just quote me. The other thing that's happening is that increasingly the reports of this are on Facebook, uh, you know, because, you know, it's, it's very easy. You take a candy bar, you stick a nail in it, you take a picture of it with your cell phone and you say, look what I found in my treats. And uh, this happened in, uh, oh, I don't know, it's about 10 miles from here, a little town in Pennsylvania uh, a few years ago. And, and, uh, you know, the police got very excited about this. And then they, they went over and grilled the kids and the kids said, now we faked it. Um, you know, it's, it, it's it, you know, it, this is always bogus. 
this just isn't a thing okay i don't i can't say i cannot prove a negative i cannot say that this has never ever happened but i can say that i can't find any evidence that it's ever ever happened well that sounds like a good place to bring this bring this to a close so thank you again joel thanks a lot you're welcome. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you can find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on our program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.